NBA Finals Media Day and some interesting things were said. Plus, how do the Lakers win? How do the Heat win? We're going to break down all the on-court action you're going to see. And Doc Rivers' job was on the line pretty much no matter what. It's a Wednesday Locked On NBA. Let's go. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Wednesday. Happy NBA Finals Day. Your regular Wednesday crew here. I am John Corrales. I'm the host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Reds Army underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Nola Jake. So the NBA finals begin tonight. I'm I'm pumped. Are you pumped? I just could jump in. You interrupt you. I'm excited for this <laughs> tonight. It is wild. It still blows my mind that we are going to get playoff basketball and playoff baseball at the same time. Um, It's just insanity to me, but here we are. And yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Not as excited as I might've been otherwise. (laughs) I was going to say, I can understand if you're a little bit down on it here. My level of excitement Um, is down maybe a couple of of notches, but it's going, you've got to hate both these teams, right? No, Lakers and the heat in this. I mean, look, my my professional life has kind of taken that like that level of fandom has has kind of gone away. Like, oh, it's, you you lose it and it's brutal. You feel dead inside. I I'm there too a lot of the time. But like also, I mean, I am a lifelong New Englander. I as much as I am not going to have the same reaction if the Lakers win, I'm not going to have the same reaction I would have had 20 years ago, which would have been just you know throwing things across the room. But, you know, I still, you know, if you're going to press me and say, do I, who who might I be pushing for a little bit more? I might, I might say the Miami Heat. And also, like, look, when when a team, like, when your team loses, I'd rather have it be to the team that wins the championship. Yeah, so that's fair. If that's the, fair. So in all of better. this, when you reframe the discussion with historical perspective and people say, oh, man, the Celtics blew this this opportunity to get to the NBA Finals. Well, if the, if the Miami Heat win, you can say, well, they lost to the champion. Nobody was beating that team in that run. And you can talk about how Miami was built for the bubble and all of this stuff. So I, the... The Miami Heat winning would kind of soften, I think, the blow for Celtics fans. Uh, that makes sense. We'll, we'll get into in the second segment as well how they can try and when we get into some of the on-court stuff. But media day, huh? Media day, which, I mean, yeah, media day. There are a couple of things that struck me from the media day. Uh, first of all, we've been told that Miami versus... Los Angeles was going to be a big thing. The narrative behind the Heat and the Lakers, the Heat and LeBron, is Miami didn't like the, the way LeBron left. LeBron and Pat Riley never really reconciled. They kind of have bad blood between them, and this is like uh, this this showdown between rivals. But if you saw what LeBron James said, he said he was asked directly. Would it have any extra meaning to you if you won a championship against Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, blah, blah, blah? And he says, absolutely not. No extra meaning to winning a championship, no matter who you're playing against, and so on and so forth. He was asked, what do you what do you think of when you hear Pat Riley? And he says, when I hear Pat Riley, I think of one of the greatest minds probably the game has ever had. He's won at every level. 
Um, this, you know, he's a great guy, great motivator, someone who knows what it takes to win. So let me ask you, Jake, do you believe what LeBron is saying? So I've gone back and forth on this and like at a certain point, like I want to take people at their word, but everything around LeBron is so crafted and the message is usually well thought out and kind of has a goal that maybe we don't see. Look at how he's positioned in almost anything that kind of gets done anywhere in the league where he's at the front. And for him to just be like, no, this isn't anything different. I don't buy it. Like I, j- I just kind of struggle. Like I actually kind of struggle taking him at his word with a lot of things when it comes like this, just because you feel like clutch or somewhere something's going on behind to trying to find a way to make him look better than he normally is. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. And LeBron's amazing. And I'm not saying this is like a shot at him. It just kind of means like, is he worried about losing to the heat? And then the narrative that comes out of this after the fact where it would be like, oh, see, look, the heat went homegrown. He left. They built their team the right way. And it just makes that sting of losing a little bit worse. And this is a way to kind of preempt and get in front of that. Should it happen by being like, nah, this doesn't matter whatsoever. And because of how things kind of go with him with, with the media and the positioning of, of things like that, of narratives, like I kind of feel that. So I don't actually believe him when he says this no i don't believe him either this is what he has to say um because this talking to the media is just one big game especially at this level of what can i say to sound like i give a great answer but i'm not really saying anything at all i'm making sure i'm giving all the credit i can to my opponent and i want to make sure that there's no added motivation anywhere because right People like us exist that would put it into a podcast. There are people who are writing, (laughs) uh, bloggers, aggregators, who are waiting for that one line where LeBron says, you know, it would be kind of sweet to beat Miami. And then, boom, that's the headline everywhere. And then that takes away from what you're really trying to accomplish. And and LeBron doesn't, doesn't want that. Not, not just for him. I, mean, like, I don't think he cares about it, but to have that headline everywhere all over the place and have it now, then what happens is Kyle Kuzma gets asked, hey, my LeBron said it'd be pretty sweet to beat Miami, right? And then all of these other guys get asked, and they really don't care. So, No, they don't care at all. So I think, I think he wants to take, it, take that away f- just in general as a storyline. Yeah, I, I so I, I, that's the good point with it all too that I didn't even think about it with this. Um, what would what would uh, Jordan say about this? <laughs> what would Jordan say? Jor- would Jordan, Jordan say probably would say. I think I think he would probably. It, it became personal to me then. I, I I think he would probably say it without saying it. Maybe a little bit more pointed. Um, but also Jordan had this this a much meaner streak than LeBron. Yeah, much meaner streak. Much meaner streak. Less worried about public persona and all of that. And he would say it's personal. That's like what he said in the last dance in multiple times of like every episode. Yeah. And it would have been to him. And he would have used it for motivation. And LeBron does that at times where he tries to find ways to motivate himself a little bit more. And this is a tremendous opportunity to have that. Yeah, you saw Pat Riley put out a statement after he left. It wasn't in Comic Sans, and it wasn't as brutal or or weird like Dan Gilbert's was. But it was still taking some shots, even if they were kind of veiled in there. Sure, and he took those. Oh. And if you can find your a way to motivate yourself a little bit more, you've got to go and do it because this is the NBA Finals, the NBA title, adding a fourth ring for LeBron. 
makes Big that deal. whole debate between him and Jordan a whole lot different. So there's a lot on the line for him in this. And I'd almost be a little bit worried if he wasn't using this as motivation for himself, just, but he's probably doing it behind the scenes. Absolutely doing it behind the scenes. Um, I, I'm sure, I'm sure of that. Uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting, there, there are a lot of discussion from a lot of players about how difficult this bubble has been. And it got me thinking about before we started this, there was a lot of talk about the asterisk coming into this. Whoever wins this, there's going to be an asterisk. And, and people had their reasons. But they said that before any of the basketball was played. Now, I don't think you were one of those people. I wasn't one of those people. But what are your impressions now? Before we head into the finals, we now have seen the seeding games, the playoff games. We've seen the months of what the bubble has been. I think personally, there's a reason why the asterisk talk has died down. What do you think? Yeah, I think it has too. And there should be no asterisks on this, like at all. There's, there's no team to maybe you bring up of saying it's the bubble season, but it's not like this was easier than any other year. Look at this. Did, did COVID impact anything other than them playing in the bubble and then putting them in that? No, it didn't rule out a big name player. It didn't take someone out of the game necessarily with that. Maybe you can say that there were some lingering effects of that. But overall, I don't think it impacted a ton. Right. The bubble, if anything, as Austin Rivers said ahead of time, made things tougher. And so if you do put an asterisk on it, maybe that it was harder to win a title this year. I think you would have seen the asterisk talk come out if we got a truly weird NBA finals, if we didn't get one of the favorites in there like the Lakers. If you saw a team like the Memphis Grizzlies or the Portland Trailblazers in the NBA Finals against maybe the Heat or maybe the Indiana Pacers, everyone would have been quick to kind of invalidate this right? because it's too weird and they weren't prepared to handle that. But no, this is tough. The mental aspect of it, playing every other day when you don't normally need to do that. At one point, I think it was the Denver Nuggets played every other day for like two months. That is a lot of basketball yeah. and a lot of games, and that is brutal. On you, And you saw it from Paul George, the way the mental side takes a toll on you, that he struggled with that. And so all of that might mean it's tougher. So no, don't put any sort of qualification on this. No, I, I totally agree. I think what we've seen is the, the, the other side, like you said, the Austin Rivers, like if anything, it got, it showed how hard it is and it really tested the, the metal of all of these teams. And, and you're right, because we didn't get a positive test that eliminated a player. Like, that, that would have been the asterisk. Like yeah. If, yeah, then, you, then you've got to mention it, but nothing happened like right. that. Like, if th this was Clippers, unbelievable. If the Clippers had lost to Denver because Kawhi got COVID, then people would have lost their minds and said, oh, there's an asterisk on this season. But to the NBA's immense credit, they handled this bubble situation perfectly. Um, they not a single case. Uh, I think there was one like false, like inconclusive test, but that was it. Um, they they were really hard on guys that violated the rules, even a little bit, uh, as we saw with the Rockets. Uh, that was, uh, I think. Part of the plan, like any little slight violation is a harsh, harsh punishment. And the message was sent, like we yeah. are taking this seriously. So no positive cases, no 
no reason to say that anything out of the ordinary happened. If anything, the bubble was this great equalizer where there was no home court, which made it harder for good teams to win. So yep. this this is the os- opposite of an asterisk. This is, yeah. I think, the team that comes out of this is the team that you say, wow, they really were mentally prepared to handle this. Um Yes, if it's the Lakers, you also have the Stars, but the Stars were also able to handle this, and so were the role players. So uh, I'm I'm impressed, and I, I'm glad that the asterisk conversation kind of went away. So I just I just googled what is the opposite of an asterisk, ooh. and it, that no categorical antonym for this word exists. Oh, geez, I thought you were going to have a word for me there that. That we could have called. No, since it refers to the symbol, there's no opposite. There is no opposite of the asterisk. Well, all right. Well, we'll have to come up with a word that's the opposite of an asterisk. We'll have to do something, right? (laughs) Yeah, we got we got to create one now. Uh, After the break, we'll get into this series and what can be done by each team. What is their primary objective to accomplish to win this series? We'll do that after I talk about DoorDash. Uh, I am perpetually hungry. Uh, Jake, I feel like you're similar to me. Yeah, pretty much. And also, like, I, I hate cooking and don't have the time to cook when there's a million things going on throughout the day and just you're you're tired by the end of it. So sometimes having something that's just going to deliver the food you want to your door and making it as easy as possible for you, like DoorDash does, is unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just want some hot food. You're not going to pull open the fridge and just pull some old leftovers out. You want to get something delivered. And if two people want two different kinds of food, you can still get that all on DoorDash. It doesn't matter. There's something for everyone there on DoorDash. You can also continue supporting the local restaurants in your community. You can do so safely because of the thousands of restaurants that are open for delivery on DoorDash. They have on DoorDash this uh, contactless option where when they deliver to you, they just drop it off outside and you can do it safely. We just talked about this COVID stuff. And you can avoid that and be healthy as well. If you want to go to one of the chain restaurants, they've got over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia. So you can go to a place like Chipotle or Wendy's and get that delivered as well. Right now, all of our Locked On NBA listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's the title of this show. That's $5 off your first order, zero delivery fees, when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONNBA, don't forget that code is LOCKEDONNBA for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, Jake, it's basketball time. These guys are going to go out there. They're going to hit the floor. Lakers and Miami, they are built very differently. Lakers, obviously, Star heavy with LeBron and AD. Miami, we're talking about a a star in Jimmy Butler, but not a top five star, uh, not an MVP candidate, uh, and a lot of guys around him that are really good, that work well together. It is, and I don't want to say that the, the Lakers are not a team, but we know where their bread is buttered. Whereas Miami can be, a different, a different leading scorer every night. So why don't we take it from the Lakers' perspective and why don't you take that and, and what do you think is yeah. their approach? 
What do they do to beat the Miami Heat? So they're the favorite, I think. I think they're the betting favorite on this too. Oh, for sure. As they probably should be. So uh, their job to win the title is not easier than the Heat's, but I guess fewer things need to go well for them. I don't know how to describe it, but you, you get what I'm trying to say. They've got to be aggressive. They need to make sure that when the Heat throws zone at them, and we saw what the Heat zone did to your Celtics. Yep. They, they broke it up a good bit of time here. I don't think you'll see that as much, but they're going to use that to try and slow the Lakers down. And the Lakers need to be ready for that. And they're a team, I think, that can handle that zone really well, which is why I don't think you'll see it nearly as much. Basically, you've just got to go with your two-man game of Anthony Davis and LeBron James. I think the Heat can slow down one star like they did uh, against the Bucks and Giannis. I don't know if they can slow down two. If you slowed, if you put Bam on Anthony Davis, which is going to be a big battle throughout the entirety of the series, you're going to need to find ways to make sure LeBron is keeping Andre Iguodala and Jay Crowder off him. They are going to need to have him target the other guys on the team, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Gordon Dragic when they're out there and try and force the Miami Heat to switch, similar to what they did against the Denver Nuggets. They tried everything to make sure they could get Jamal Murray matched up on LeBron James so that he could take advantage of that and basically just take Murray to the rack every time. And if they don't settle into being a jump-shooting team and can play that aggressive, with LeBron James, use Anthony Davis as that role threat, that mid-range threat when it comes to the zone, when they throw that at them. Like, this could be a five-game series at that point. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think this goes down to each team targeting the other, the other's defensive weak links, which is like the, the obvious, I don't want to make it oversimplify, yeah. like, you always want to do that in a playoff series, but when I say that, it's just like what you said. You're trying your ass off to, okay, if let's get Duncan Robinson to switch. That's you know what I mean, and and you're trying to do that from the other side you too. See you're LeBron trying out there. Yeah, you see LeBron out there pointing. Set the screen for me so that these guys will switch, and now I have the easier matchup on him. And if you're the Heat, you've got to be prepared for that. So does that mean you pre-switch? I think anticipating that it's coming. Like yeah, I think what you do. When LeBron does that, is you blitz LeBron. It's a good way to go about it, I think. I think my strategy from a Miami Heat perspective is I am trying to take LeBron as out of the half-court offense as I can. And I am challenging Anthony Davis. And you go one-on-one Anthony Davis with Bam Adebayo if you can. Uh, although if you're switching, if you're, if you're, if you're setting pick and roll with Anthony Davis and LeBron James and Bam is, you say, okay, blitz. All right, fine. Bam's going to blitz and we're going to get, I'm going to get the ball out of my hands if I'm LeBron James right away and try to get, uh, Anthony Davis posted up on somebody else. Like, so that's the counter to my counter that, okay, you want to blitz LeBron, then Fine, LeBron willingly gives it up, but you're giving it up because Bam Adebayo has blitzed and you're trying to find Anthony Davis. But back to my original point, I am trying to to dare Anthony Davis to carry the team because he's never been here before. LeBron's been here a million times. I think LeBron is obviously going to have his moments because you can't take LeBron completely out. But what, no, not at all. what I look at is how many times LeBron... In the half court against the Nuggets, 
settled for jumpers. Pulled his kind of like Carmelo Anthony routine, yeah. jab, step, jab, step, long two. I think I think there is a little amount of fatigue. I don't think he has the full tank of gas that he used to. Uh, he certainly has enough to have had a, a spectacular playoff run, but he, he has had spectacular moments or short stretches. So I, I am trying to take advantage of that, see if I can make him work extra hard in the half court to see if I can get him to, to use as much gas as possible and then say, all right, Anthony Davis, how afraid are you of this moment? How much can you carry the team in this moment? And on the other side, hope that LeBron working that hard in offense takes away from him defensively and, and the, the Heat can start whipping the ball around and do what they do. And if it's Tyler Hero that's bombing away, fine, whatever. That, that's the strength of the Miami Heat. They don't care who scores. So make LeBron work his ass off on defense and then see if you can take advantage of it on the other end. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't think you're wrong in that. And I agree. LeBron looked. I, I don't even want to call it a, a half step. It's probably less than that, but a little, like not quite like himself in that. And like, I don't think it should be necessarily fair to expect him to kind of look like his old self in this one. So, yeah, it's it's just how do you find a way to slow down both Anthony Davis and LeBron James kind of at the same time? Which, like, yeah, if we could figure that out, we should probably be coaches right. or in the front <laughs> office and getting paid a whole lot more. How than do we, we are. NBA podcasters tell these NBA coaches who are in the finals exactly how to do their do, jobs? Right? <laughs> but it's, I mean, obviously, yeah, and we're, we're mentioning the obvious things because it's interesting. Because uh, let me ask you this: Who do you think is the third best player on the Lakers? Um. <laughs> It's been Rondo. <laughs> that probably tells you something right there. It's right? been Rondo, I'd say. No, it has. Like, if Ro- I, so I think it also might change on any given night. And maybe that's a strength or a weakness. I'm not exactly sure. Yep. Um, but at times it's been Rondo. At times you could argue it's been Dwight Howard. I think there's been a game where it was KCP. I want those dudes shooting all the damn shots if you can yep. somehow find a way to make them do it. Yep. Like, all the time. If that zone is effective and AD's mid-ranger isn't hurting it and LeBron's not able to drive and attack and you're forcing Kuzma to take threes, and I, that dude does not want to take threes in the NBA Finals. He didn't want to take threes, open threes against the Denver Nuggets. That's a huge victory for the Miami Heat. And to create that situation, they've got to get that defense back and get set, which means they're probably going to have to forego some of those offensive rebounding chances that Bam goes after to get that defense back because Lakers in the half court aren't great. Like they've got, they got Anthony Davis, they got LeBron that'll score you some points there, but they are, yeah. they want to get out and transition and run. If you can somehow limit that, I don't know. Like, I think that gives them at least a punching chance in this point. I think, I think you're right. It, it, basically the Miami heat strategy has to be, if you're already below the, like the charge circle, then okay, fine. You can go for a, uh, you can crash, but anybody that's outside of the restricted area, get back. Like that's how far oh you have God, to be. Get back immediately. Yeah, and it's not even like free throw line. I go restricted area. Like even if you're at the free throw line, the most I can say is if if somebody's taking a three and you're at the free throw line, okay, you can stand there in case there's a long rebound, but don't crash. Like. 
There's only one or two guys to crash. Don't worry about getting the extra possessions that way. Worry about getting the extra possessions off of Lakers misses and being active and seeing if you can get into some passing lanes and force some turnovers that way. But don't gamble on offensive rebounds because that's going to kill you in transition. The Lakers will win if they get into transition. It's too, it's too it's much. two point for the Lakers. And I'd rather force them to shoot a three. And I'd rather force, uh, at least slow them down. Look, Kuzma can look good in transition. Anyone can look good in transition. Don't, don't kind of gift them some of those points that they want because they have not been a great uh, half-court shooting team. The Lakers in the regular season, 21 in three-point percentage. They shot 35%. That's not great. That is probably how you're going to slow them down by having uh, them shoot those threes and making it be other guys. Um, I don't think the Lakers can play Dwight Howard in this series. He was big against Denver. Um, So, I mean, that's the question, right? Like, what do the Lakers do to match up against Miami, who will be starting like Drogic, Robinson, Bam, Crowder, and Butler? Unless they change things up, but I, who guards? So who guards Jimmy Butler? That might be LeBron. Unless they unless they try to put him somewhere else. Maybe they have. You know what I do? I have LeBron on Bam Adebayo, and I have Anthony Davis on Jay Crowder, and I say Anthony Davis is kind of the roamer. And if Jay Crowder beats you, um, then so so be it. Or you have Anthony Davis on Bam Adebayo and LeBron's the roamer and you kind of save him defensively. Yeah, scratch that. Never mind. As I'm thinking this through, <laughs> I I have LeBron 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 totally 100% on Jay Crowder. Um Jim, Jimmy Butler I think is is going to pass uh, passes too much. You can you I would try um Danny Green on Jimmy Butler and see how that works. I have LeBron on Jay Crowder to be a roamer and I have Anthony Davis on Bam out of bio to see if he can if he can stand him up and prevent some of the easy buckets. But then that still means you have to guard Goran Dragic and you still have to c- account for Duncan Robinson in the starting lineup. I think Dragic is the guy that can have a big series. He's going to be It's like an X factor, right? Yes. In, totally. in a way. Like look, if if Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero beat you, I think you'll live with that. You know, it's kind of one of those things. Like if KCP goes off and Kuzma goes off and Rondo goes off, like, cool, congratulations, Lakers. And that's what you say if you're the Miami Heat. Like, you, you countered us and those guys played well and they did what they needed to do. And I think it's kind of same for the Heat here too. Bam, if you can neutralize to some degree in AD, and both of them, I think it's – I'm really looking forward to watching them battle that – one, if one can get more fouls on the other, which both are capable of doing, it should be kind of interesting. But Bam's passing can be a bit of a difference maker in this series too. And, and Anthony Davis doesn't quite have that. So if you do throw Anthony Davis on there, you've also got to try and somehow cut off those passing lanes that Bam's going to be able to have because he's so good at finding other guys. And then that off-ball movement for the Heat really comes into play there. But that's where a guy like Dragic comes in. And so... I don't know. Maybe I'm warming up to the Heat a little bit more in this one now. Thinking I mean, about I think it. I think the Heat have a pretty decent chance. Here's what I do: I start I start Markeith Morris instead of Dwight Howard. I play Anthony Davis at the five. In this way, if Anthony Davis ends up getting switched off, you at least have Markeith Morris and LeBron James, who could all switch on to Adebayo and and be physical. Um, I just don't think Dwight Howard he gets. I think he'll get attacked. I think he'll get attacked a lot, and you can't put him in a pick and roll because he's going to drop. If you're going to play drop coverage with Dwight Howard in a pick and roll, you're just going to get jump shots 
down your throat all day long. So you can't do that. Um, yeah. So I think, I think Dwight Howard's probably not going to play much in this series. I'll be, I'm going to be curious to see what they do with him. And this is where, where Vogel is going to earn his money. And if he wants to be seen as a guy who, who, you know, kind of won this and it wasn't just LeBron coaching the team, which is fair or unfair, going to always be around. If he can somehow make the heat feel this Lakers size, I wonder if that's kind of a way to go about it too. And what does that do to them and how does that affect their defensive game plan? But this is why I'm excited about it. I yeah. love that we get to talk about this stuff. Like this is going to be fun tonight. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if you can see through my video. I'm like, I'm staring off into the down, like trying to picture this. I, I think if the Lakers go big, they're going to get punished from outside. And that's, that's something you do not want. You're going to end up becoming, you're going to end up looking like the Milwaukee Bucks out there is what's going to end up happening to me. I think the Miami uh, Heat. I can't wait. I think the Miami Heat have a good chance here. I don't think they're a joke. Now, I just watched them do what they did to the Boston Celtics. So I have a, a, a very up close and personal view with the Miami Heat. I think they are clicking. Their their personnel is just right. Their attitude is perfect. They're just they're on this roll. I I think that. The Lakers are certainly the favorites, but I think it's I don't think it's like 80-20 Lakers. I think it's like more like 60-40 or 65-35. Like I think there's a a a Yeah, that's fair. A not a not horrible chance. Like if you give a team a 40% chance of winning, like I think that if them winning is like, oh, that's not that's not out of the question. No, no, no. I, I agree with that. Look, again, I think they're in this. It's uh, you know we're we're gonna see where it goes. I, th- I I'm leaning towards Lakers in six if I had to like make a prediction, which is about sixty five, thirty five, yeah. sixty forty, something like that. So I don't know. I'm excited for it. Like again, it's one of those things where we go all day long. So if the Heat do this, then what do the Lakers do? And then if the Lakers do that, how do the Heat respond? It's it's a chess match where you're trying to think moves and moves ahead. And I'm I'm just excited to see it play out. I'm excited to see it play out too. Uh, when we return, Doc Rivers was going to lose his job pretty much no matter what. Talk about that. First, I'm also excited about Built Bars. They're back. They're still delicious. And they're actually even better. There are 18 amazing flavors in No Nut Flavors if you've got an allergy. Or the original flavors if you like something with nuts in it, they've got those as well. They're 100% chocolate covered, soft. They're easy to chew. I pack one to the gym with me every day because it's perfect for me. My peanut butter built bar gives me 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, and just five grams of sugar and five grams of net carbs. So it doesn't blow away my cardio while giving my body what it needs after I lift some weights. So it's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for keto diets. If you go to builtbar.com right now, you can use the promo code locked on to get $10 off your next order. Doesn't matter if you've used it before, you can use it again. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. There's a report out of The Athletic on Tuesday that suggested that no matter what, unless Doc Rivers won a championship this season, he was going to lose his job, which gives us an inside look at what the Clippers' expectations were and what they saw uh, 
out of Doc Rivers and what they expected him to do. Uh, Jake, do you think that was fair? Yeah, probably. Like, probably. They had sky-high expectations going into the season. There were clearly some people unsettled in the locker room throughout all of this with the treatment of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And when you have those expectations and you're clear running, not clear running favorite, but one of the three teams in the league, one of the three biggest favorites, I think. Yeah, you probably need to not collapse 3-1 against the Denver Nuggets team. A Denver Nuggets team that played well, looked good at times, but on paper, they're the more talented team. And when you factor that in with the playoff disappointment that the Clippers have had under Doc Rivers, whether it's on him entirely or not on him entirely, it just kind of one of those things like someone seemed like they were going to fall on the sword with this. It wasn't going to be Paul George. It wasn't going to be Kawhi Leonard. It probably means it's going to be Doc Rivers. You know, I don't think this is just, oh, look at this season. They should have done more. I think it's also, okay, what about a couple seasons ago or other things like that that kind of led to this decision? Being a guy who's lost, what, more game sevens in NBA history and blown the most three-to-one leads probably isn't going to make me as an owner feel the most confident in you leading my team to a title. Right. I mean, the Clippers have never made a conference finals, uh, which is – Stunning, considering the level of talent they've had since Doc Rivers has been there. Like, that team should... Those teams, multiple teams, should have made conference finals at the very least. So, there's something to be said about Doc Rivers. Now, also, Doc Rivers has turned the Clippers into perennial winners. Like, they they still, even though they had problems in the locker rooms, were still good teams. Absolutely. So... It, it it opens up the question of like how much how much is it Doc's fault? How much is it the front office? How much is it on the players? Um, and, and this season in particular, how much of it is on the players for acting the way that they did for for acting like they were the defending champions throughout the season, like like it's- they were something great when they hadn't accomplished anything. Load management doesn't come from Doc Rivers. It comes from Kawhi Leonard. Right. It probably comes from Paul George, too. So when they don't have chemistry in the playoffs, well, then they needed to play more than they were, but they didn't want to. They thought maybe it would be beneficial for them, but it wasn't. They need to take some responsibility for that. There's a ton to put on Doc Rivers. The insistence on playing Montrez Harrell when he clearly did not look right and did not look like the same guy who had gotten them there. And... When the numbers board out, the eye test board out, and he did not want to play Zubach as much as he did, that's a bad look. Sure. Maybe not what cost him the series, but it's part of it. But also the load management, Kawhi, you got to look in the mirror and be like, man, that didn't work. Maybe we need to do it differently. But if you have to make a change, which is the most easily replaceable? Of course. And I think Doc Rivers is a great coach. He's 11th all time in terms of wins. He's three away from tying for 10th. You don't get that far and have the success he did without him being a top coach. But maybe also it's fair to say that his coaching limitations mean you're not going to win game seven of the NBA finals, or you're not going to win game seven of the conference finals, or heck, you're not going to win game seven of the second round to go into the conference finals. And it's part of it. And so if you're a team that wants to win a championship, knowing it might be close at certain times because other teams are good too, yeah, you, you probably need a coach that you have more confidence in at that point, and that's maybe the reason it lets him go. It doesn't mean he's a bad coach. Right. I would take him here in New Orleans in a damn second. 
think that's where the Clippers are, where they are as a team and what they're looking for, and he just doesn't fit that fair or unfair. Yeah. You know, people are. I'm not saying people are wrong about the Montrez Harrell thing. I mean, clearly he wasn't right for a variety of reasons. Um, I think Doc, Doc Rivers is, I think, to a fault, going to roll with what got him there. You know? Uh, you know, it's like yeah. dance with a date that brought you. It's and and I think when Doc Rivers goes to a team and is trying to sell that team on the the chemistry and on the things that that you know, following him as a leader, he will bring something like like that up. Like you, if you are working hard, if you work your ass off, if you get to this point, I am rolling with you. You have earned that spot. I'm not taking your minutes away um, because I trust that you're going to figure it out. And now that's clearly when you look at somebody like Trez and you say, he he had COVID, right? Like he Mm -hmm. lost, you know, however much time and and the variety of things that that kind of kept him from being the sixth man of the year that he that he earned, you can say that Doc would go to him and be like, "Look, you don't have it. Let's get through this series, and you can get it, and you'll get your minutes back. We need to do something right now." Uh, but again, I think Doc, in one of his strengths even though this strength turned out to be a weakness and, and partly what cost him that series is I, you know, he's the player's coach. Like I, I have your back. I'm fighting for you. So I agree with that part fully, but at a certain point you've just got to re like, he did not realize that Trez was not working. I don't think it was that. I don't think it was just trusting the dude. I think it was also like, things are fine. And it's like, no, the house is on fire. Like you need yeah. to, you need to make a change here. It wasn't one game. It wasn't two games. You know, it was three games. Yeah. And that's, that's where. If it's one game, it's a different thing. But I think, and then again, also, it goes back to the other playoff failures. When you look at him and some of the talent that he's had, it's, it's tough to say anything other than he's underachieved a little bit. Give him credit for getting him there. Yeah. So it's like the Celtics right here. It's great that a young team got this far, but it probably feels like a missed opportunity that they're not in the finals. And you can both be happy and upset about it at yeah. the same time. And yeah. I think when you look at Doc Rivers with some of it, great, you got here. Uh, that's awesome. You probably needed a little bit more. <laughs> he hasn't done it. Right. And it's it's kind of that. And it's true. if you're a team that is competing for a title, you can't have that guy be your head coach. I get it. I I, I will say that it, it's, I don't think to answer my question that I posed at the beginning of this, I don't think it's unfair that, that Doc had to like win it or or go somewhere else because of the length of time, seven years with the teams that he's had, exactly. that those teams should have done better. And they didn't. Yeah. And we're talking about it might still be Lakers heat, but it, it should have been a Lakers Clippers conference finals. There's no doubt it should have been that. It was always supposed to be that. And and it was definitely the Clippers' failures. Um, obviously, you want to credit Denver, but uh, Doc Rivers. I don't know what he's going to do next. I know you'll take him in New Orleans. That's an interesting fit um, because they're young and rebuilding. And I know he doesn't want to do that, but 
also you got Zion and you can not be rebuilding pretty quickly with Zion on your team, but we'll see. There are other openings. Philadelphia is an interesting one. There are other, other teams that are, are more ready-made or maybe doc just wants to take some time off. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. It's a good time to be a head coaching candidate. That's for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we uh, wrap this up, I know we've gone a little long, but I want to shout out Mark Cuban uh, for finding Delonte West, who has clearly been in a very bad way for a long time, uh, homeless on the streets of Texas. Um, and for Delonte West for accepting that help, reportedly going into rehab, um, really hope now Delonte played a few years in Boston. Um, he's always a fun player, a fun locker room guy. He, I loved Delonte West when he played with the Celtics. He always seemed like a good dude. Um, and it's, it's been sad to see how things have fallen apart. I think it just speaks to the, the perils of mental health issues. And I just hope that Delonte, that this is, this is part of the turnaround for Delonte. And, you know, I'm really happy that Mark Cuban did what he did. Yeah. Great to see. It's nice to see people come into the aid of former players and not just discarding them off to the side. So it's a sad story. I'm happy to see Delonte West getting help, accepting the help, his family being involved and Mark Cuban being involved. Yep. So, all right. With that, we'll wrap it up uh, tomorrow, a recap of game one of the NBA finals with uh, David Locke and I assume uh, ben Golliver, but you know some some reporting from inside the bubble that'll be uh, very interesting so looking forward to that looking forward to game one as always on Wednesdays I am one of your co-hosts John Corrales I host the Lockdown Celtics podcast as well find me on Twitter at Reds Army underscore John and I'm Jake Madison host of the Lockdown Pelicans podcast and at Nola Jake on Twitter all right that's it we'll see you tomorrow happy finals everybody